This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Good morning, gentlemen. Buenos dias. Good morning, Joseph. Buenos dias. Hey, what's the difference between Las Vegas and Wuhan? Yeah. Wuhan? What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But too soon? No. Not, yes. That wouldn't have been too soon in 2020. Let's just raise our mugs and salute our troops, gentlemen. On behalf of the men and women at Navy Federal Credit Union and the men and women making podcasts in mom's basement, here's to the men and women keeping us safe. Let's go stack some Benjamins together. And hut! Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and today we kick off Love and Relationship Week with a chat about what to do when you've lost that love and feeling for your financial advisor with a guy who used to dislike advisors until he became one, Chris Mamula. What's our SB headline today? Well, I'll tell you. One group is struggling more than others with credit card debt. Are you in the crosshairs? If you are, we'll have options for you. And for our TikTok Minute, we'll throw out an ode to all people who spend their Hallmark holidays making money. Plus a stacker who thought, huh, I'd better call Saul. C-I and OG. And then I'll share some abbreviated trivia. And now two guys whose celebrity couple name is Jog. It's Joe. Oh, and oh, J-J-J-J-G. Well, hey there, stackers. I'm the J in the Jog. And across the card table from me, the guy who last time I saw him Jog got his butt kicked by his wife. Mr. OG. How are you, man? That was quite a while ago. Thank you for remembering. I, was that the last time you jogged, though? I think that <laughs> might have been the last time you jogged. I mean, it was a solid 15 years ago. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't, I don't have that t-shirt from the uh, Bank of America 5K anymore. I thought for sure you were going to say, last time I saw him jog, he needed some more support. <laughs> Could have been all. No, I was waiting. We, we did a 5K together, and I was waiting for Alyssa at the, you know, near the finish line, you know, 100 yards to go or something like that. Because I was whooping her sideways on this race. And then she came, you know, around the corner and I was like, hey, and she went right by me. And I was like, <laughs> that's romantic. Ah. And I started running as fast as I could, but I was, you know, I was tired. So I couldn't catch her and she won. She beat me, which I thought was that's classic. Not a fair way to, not a fair way to fight. It's the best way to start off relationship week here on the show <laughs> we had a we had a little talk after that oh she talked to you about not being such a wuss yeah, yeah. she was like hey 
you're not first, you're last. Right. <laughs> How does she start that discussion, OG? Well, she sat me down. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Oh, she was giving it to you good. And then? Well, I mean, I, I did go through a few tissues. It was an emotional day for me. But Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. I can see why you cry after that. We worked it out. That's horrible. Did you still have to pay the photographer? She got a medal and I didn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it is relationship week here on the show. Chris Mamula waiting in the wings. But first, we've got a headline. An ode to everybody who's out making money this uh, Hallmark holiday season uh, and more. So let's go. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. Our headline comes to us from Yahoo Finance. Doug? Should I read the headline? No, I thought you were going to go, Yahoo! Oh. No? <laughs> Yahoo! There it is. Uh, this is written by uh, Gabriel Cruz Martinez. We got to do that every time we do a Yahoo uh, Finance headline from now on. Millennials. Looking at you, millennials, struggling under mounting credit card debt, the New York Fed fines. Millennials in their 30s sank deeper into credit card debt toward year-end. New report found as U.S. credit card debt continues to climb to new heights. Outstanding credit card balances hit a record high of $1.13 in the fourth quarter of 2023. According to new data released last Tuesday from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, up roughly 5% from $1.08 billion the previous quarter. So, Trillion. OG, we're on 
we're rocking. We're going to increase credit card balances by 20% a year at that pace. That's a, that's a pretty sporty increase. And did you say $1 trillion? 1.13 T. Ah, yes. Do you really need to be that specific when, you're, when you've got a T on the end? Do I need the <laughs> 0.13? Probably round that down and still too much. Yeah. At the, at the same time, the 90-day delinquency rate measure for credit card holders also jumped to 6.36%, up from 4.01 a year earlier. Here's the big thing, OG, that a lot of people are pointing to is student loan repayments just turned back on. And even though everybody's been telling people forever that student loan repayments were coming the second they hit, the tidal wave of more credit card debt happened. I think it's time for us to swoop in and help our millennial friends get the budget back in order. What's our first step, OG, if we're one of those people watching um, Monarch Money, wherever we keep our money and, and watching that credit card debt climb? I'm a big fan of the spending plan. You know, starting at the beginning of the month with a blank calendar and going through last month's checkbook or last month's statements of where is all this stuff coming out that we know is going to happen, right? Where's the electric bill, the mortgage, car payment, you know, the minimum payments on the credit cards, the minimum payments on the student loans. What's the number that actually has to happen every single month just to exist? And then you can start putting in things like, I need to go to the grocery store and this month I need to get a new suit for work or whatever the case may be, right? You can put those things in your calendar. And then I, and then I do it just like a normal cash flow statement or a normal accounting, only I don't get real fancy with it. I just start with February 1st, here's how much money was in my checkbook. And then I do the math of here's how much money is coming out. Here's my paydays and here's how much money is coming in. And here's what I'm going to end with at the end of the month. The trick is, is if you can convince yourself that you've already planned this in advance, you have a much better chance of sticking to it because your brain doesn't know the difference between something that you've imagined to be true and something that is actually true. So if you can trick your way into planning this out in advance and writing it down and going, at the end of the month of February, I will have $680 left over in my account. And I'm going to use that $680 in this purpose. You can already plan for it. Wait till the end of the month. You have 680 bucks, and you snowball down a credit card bill or you put it in your emergency fund or you put it in your Roth IRA or whatever you're going to do with it. By doing it that way every single month, you get a real good handle, I think, on you know what's really going on on a month to month basis. What's the you know what's your kind of your, your bare bones minimum number that you have to have every single month? And it also tricks your brain into not finding other things to spend money on through the month because you've already done that process and your brain's like, nope, we've already spent all our money. At the beginning of that, I loved how OG said, well, you got to list all the stuff you need, just the bare minimums, just to live that month. And then you can add in things like groceries. (laughs) (laughs) Are you on your diet again? Like food's not part of that for you? No, I just meant the things that are known to come out on a consistent basis. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, if you I don't know. have your electric bill and gas bill and water bill set to like auto pay, payment, and, you know, and mortgage, the flat pay yeah, and the mortgage yeah, yeah. bill. And you know what I mean? Like you can say, okay, I know on the fifth, the mortgage comes out. I know on the 10th, the water bill comes out, that sort of thing. Sure, Groceries. Sure. Yeah. I mean, maybe you got to do a ramen noodle week. One week is just what it is. <laughs> you know? It is a key to a great budget though, is trying to lock down those expenses that go up, down, up, down. I like the even utility thing for Absolutely. people that are on a really tight budget. Not because you actually save any money over the long term, it ends up being about the same. The difference is it's one more thing that you can predict. 
And if you can get the grocery bill so it's predictable, you can get that utility bill predictable. That's a huge win. Well, and you guys have talked forever about automate as much as possible. And when you've got that fixed amount, it's super easy to set that automatic payment up when you know exactly how much it's going to be. It's less, it's not any more difficult or less difficult, but it's, it's easier on your mind. I'm glad you brought that up, Doug, because automation is the key to getting ahead with a lot of this stuff. I'll tell you what the key is though, when it comes to getting out of debt is actually the opposite is spending time thinking about it. Cause I feel like, and now gee, maybe you can back this up or not. The big problem with being in debt is we kind of bury our head and go, Oh man, if I just don't look at it, maybe it'll go away. Yeah. Ultimately, all progress comes from telling the truth, right? So you have to you have to just That's a lay lie. everything. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's a lie. <laughs> Couldn't help it. Couldn't resist. You just have to lay everything out and it's just you. You know what I mean? You don't have to like post the worksheet on the on the Facebook, uh, on the LinkedIn, on the Twitter. The MySpace. I think it's a tweeter. On the Instagram. You don't have now to you don't have to go like, you know, last week we were talking about radical budgeting or or what was that called? Loud. Loud budgeting. I saw that on the Today Show they were talking about it. You know, you don't have to do that. You just have to be honest with yourself and recognize that it's it's not an overnight, you know, you're not going to be able to do it overnight to fix it. But in order to put a plan together for how to fix it, you got to have all the data correct. It's foolish not to have an accurate balance sheet or an accurate income statement for yourself. You would expect nothing else from any other business. So why wouldn't you do it for yourself? We'll talk later about the Today Show using our topic. I mean, of course, after we do a topic, the Today Show wants a little piece of that. So that's fine. But what we really want to talk about, OG, I think is making this easy, which I think technology can help a lot here. And if you needed a budget that's much more locked down, using some tech like Cube Money takes the envelope system and turns it into the modern age. So now they're electronic envelopes. You have only one bank account, but it's separated into cubes, aka envelopes, or YNAB. You know, a lot of people really like the fact that, to your point, taking that calendar out and putting the dollars for next month on the calendar ahead of time locks down the budget. For other people who are naturally maybe a little more more frugal, I know uh, Cheryl and I have been using a lot. We say this, they're a sponsor of our show. We've been using Monarch money. But what's great is Monarch just suggested a new budget. Instead of making a new budget, I just hit use Monarch's budget. And it's great seeing these alerts hit where I don't expect them. And what's funny, it, it gets me back to mindfulness. When I'm at a store and I buy something and then the alert hits, Cheryl and I then have a discussion about uh, should we have this? Should this really be our true budget for this item? Well, again, it's not even the big items. It's all the little things that it's totally you know, things that add up. And if you don't if you don't dig into it, you're not going to be able to come out the other side. It's if you're struggling behind, you know, extra payments and interest rates on credit cards have gone up and stuff like that. Like, there's a fix for it. You can solve it. You just have to get all of the data first. And I think the biggest thing is to to evaluate where you, where you are. You just have to say this is where I am. Go from there. Time for our TikTok minute. This is the part of the show where we uh, shine a light on a creator on usually on TikTok. Today it's on YouTube who's doing something either brilliant or air quotes brilliant. OG, what are you thinking here on uh, Love and Relationships Week? We're going to bring brilliance. Brilliance. Do you see my hearts that I sent you, Joe? Oh, look at that. That's so pretty. For people that don't have the video of this, 
Ochi just looked into his monitor and made a little yeah. heart. An apple. That's not even close to a heart, but it is great that Apple is spending their considerable brain trust on figuring out how to have those things pop up on your screen when you make hand gestures. What are we going to do next? Self poverty? I got something better. Right. Some guy burst through the door into the meeting. So many people are spending tons of money this year on a Hallmark holiday on Wednesday, February 14th, our stacker, uh, Caroline Stoodle is a fantastic musician. She made this. And uh, by the way, big thanks to Caroline for letting us play this. This is Caroline's song. Well, I won't tell you the name of it, but this is Caroline's ode to Valentine's day. I don't have a date, but it's not like I care. Cause with all of this work, well, I might as well be married. Oh, I don't have a lover, but I do have another year spent working on Valentine's Day. Oh, these two months together have felt like a dream, says the millionth fake Instagram post on my screen. Go waste money on flowers while I'm clocking in hours, cause I'm working on Valentine's Day. Up in room 213, just a few blocks from here, all my friends will be welcoming another lonely year. While I'm standing alone, sneaking peeks at my phone, saying, yes, ma'am, the bathroom's right here. (laughs) I am fine flying solo almost every day, and I will not succumb to a Hallmark holiday. What's the point of self-pity when you could keep busy by working on Valentine's Day? Oh, in room 213, just a few blocks from here, all my friends will be welcoming another lonely year. While I'm standing alone, sneaking peeks at my phone, saying, yes, ma'am, the bathroom's right here. I am fine flying solo most every day, and I will not succumb to a Hallmark holiday. Who's got time to get laid? At least I'm getting paid, cause I'm working on Valentine's Day. That'll catch your attention. She brings it home, doesn't she? <laughs> All three of our heads just snap forward. And what, like, what? What, what? What? What did she just say? <laughs> That's fabulous. Caroline Stoodle right there. And uh, we will link to her YouTube channel where she's got lots more fantastic songs. Coming up next, Chris Mamula is a guy who is one half of the great duo behind the blog, Can I Retire Yet?, He and uh, our friend Darrow Kirkpatrick, who's also been on the show before, do that. Chris also penned the Choose FI book, talking about the Choose FI pillars of financial independence. Chris is also a guy that very, very classically in our little section of the world, Chris was always super anti-financial advisor, told a horrible story about his parents having bad financial advisors and insisting you didn't need one. And then when he came on the Stacking Benjamin show, I pointed out to him that maybe now he was his parents' financial advisor. <laughs> and he agreed. <laughs> that, no, they just come and sit with me once a year. They fired their advisor. Now they sit with me. Oh, then you're their advisor. Oh, yeah. 
Chris, by the way, after that moment, and I won't say that was the only catalyst, Chris became a financial advisor. And today is a guy who is one, has disliked them. How do you break up with your financial advisor? If it's time to go, what do financial advisors want to see? We'll talk to Chris and then we'll circle back and talk to OG about that same topic. But before all that, I really, I just want to hear that. I want to hear I break up with my financial advisor because <laughs> I need that. I need that. Do I have to do the trivia or can we just shoot right to that? <laughs> just, just head to, it's time for Chris Mamula. No, we got to do trivia. <laughs> okay, fine. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. I ran into some of the neighborhood ladies while I was rollerblading through the park this morning. I look so good in my jorts and cowboy hat that they oh couldn't help complimenting me. One of them even shouted LMAO, which we all know means ladies man at one o'clock. Except I was at their six o'clock. I mean, God, doesn't anybody know how to read a real analog clock anymore? I bet some have never even seen one, TBH. Uh, sorry, for the uninitiated, that's an acronym for that's bad. <laughs> Acronyms have always come pretty easily to me. Most of the time I can guess them correctly before anyone even tells me what they are. I mean, heck, back in college, someone gave me a flyer for a frat party, and I instantly knew that BYOB meant bring your own barbecue. You should have seen the looks on the guys' faces when I showed up with a rack of ribs. They were so surprised I got it without asking. Using acronyms is a great way to communicate quickly, which is especially important when you're doing business, oh, sorry, or biz. The finance world uses a ton of them. There's FinCEN, FBI, OFAC, and those are just the ones I got in this letter this morning. Today's trivia question is, what does FINRA stand for? I'll BRB, that's short for Be Remarkably Brilliant, as always, during the break, and then I'll be right back with the answer that I know I already guessed correctly. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words... Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Well, you know what I think about Navy Federal? I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country. And I also think about some of our active service members. want to say a special shout out to... Uh, my nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine. And my nephew, Nathan, is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members, many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see all of their 
Military Appreciation Month offers, and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equalizing lender. Hey there, stackers. I'm acronym wizard and SMH, seriously manly and handsome, Joe's mom's neighbor Doug. The finance world moves F-A-S-T fast, so it's helpful to use acronyms, which can mean a lot of words all at once. It's kind of like sign language for written words. It's important for people who work in finance to know all of the most common ones so they can keep up with the pace of business. Today's trivia question is, what does FINRA stand for? The answer... I'm going to guess fair interest nominal return again. Let me see. Damn, these envelopes are always so tough to open. See the uh, service says it uh, stands for, drumroll please, Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. Huh. Apparently they regulate what financial advisors do and say. Well, that sounds good. Glad someone's keeping an eye on things. And now, here to teach you what to look for when hiring someone to help you with your finances, it's today's mentor, Chris Mamula. I'm very happy we have him back here in Bob's basement. It's about damn time Chris Mamula's here. How are you, man? Always happy to be in the basement. I love how when you spell your name, you put it phonetically. Does it get messed up a lot? It does. I started doing that out of habit. I, I know we know each other for a while, but it's just habit now. I just like salsehi, like when people get it wrong. I'm like, that's fine. <laughs> Although I had something recently, somebody wrote about me. It's really cool when people write about you online. Somebody wrote, invest with the end in mind, which is my little take on Stephen Covey's thing, except they credit it to Joel Salsehi, J-O-E-L. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. All right, let's dive into this because we got two days until Valentine's Day. We don't want to be with the wrong advisor on Valentine's Day. So we really have you here as a financial planner talking about, you know, you're on the other side of that. Maybe, Chris, like what's the best way to break up? But before we get there, you had this awful story you told last time you were here about your parents. Tell that story again for people that didn't hear your last appearance because your parents kind of had the prototypical person you don't want in your corner. Yeah. Well, let me go even a step further before my parents, they were working with this advisor. So me not knowing anything, getting out of school. And I kind of thought they seem to know what they're doing with their money. So I asked them who they were using. So he became my advisor first. And so I broke up with him first, uh, which actually caused a lot of riff. Well, not a lot of riff, but it caused some discomfort between my parents and I, because this was like their guy and they trusted him. And so I'm going in there he's ripping us off and uh, I'm not happy with him. So then like the next time they went in, they had to deal with that. I I mean, he was, uh, I would call him a salesman who presented himself as an advisor. Um, Really uh, just a lot of very expensive products, not really appropriate for their needs or ours then eventually. But yeah, that's kind of how we found him is through them. And and I think that's just where a lot of people don't know where to start. And so they go to somebody who is, tends to be a friend or somebody they trust. And that's how they end up with their advisor. And that was my parents' case. And then through them, that was our case. So, yeah. But you and I engrossed in this. I mean, we're steeped in it. We cover it every day. A lot of people listening aren't, and they don't know, like, what are the clues that that person might not be the right person for you? Yeah. So I would say I was that person. So I think that even though now I'm on the other side and I do financial planning, I only got into this. Like I had basically zero interest, I would say, for the first decade of my career uh, until I realized like what a bad deal we were getting. So that's kind of what set me down this path of first I started writing, very critical of like financial advisors all suck and like nobody should use one, to like 
I think this is why you had me on to do this, because you're the one that first pointed out to me that I kind of became my parents' financial advisor, and a lot of people <laughs> do need help. And I've come to realize from interacting with blog readers and readers of my book and people that I run to in public that, yeah, a lot of people do need help. So I think the best place, in my opinion, to start is to really understand how your advisor gets paid. That does not guarantee you're going to get good advice by any means, but it does at least let you kind of see, it kind of, I think, illuminates some things of why you're getting certain advice. So, I mean, basically the way I break it down is there's three ways you can get paid. Uh, the first is commissions. So that means somebody is getting paid by what they sell you. If you're going to them, you're going to probably end up with some type of like whole life insurance, maybe an annuity, maybe loaded mutual funds, because that's how they're getting paid is the product that they're putting you in. The second way, which I think I is think, better. I think just to stop there for a second, I think, Chris, it's easy to identify those people because they always seem to lead with the product that's the right fit. Right. Like you're going to a shoe salesman, they're like, oh, I like this one, you know, versus I think where you're getting these other types of advisors don't start with that. I feel like those are the easiest ones to know. If they start with a product, it's probably going to be commission salesperson. Absolutely. And I think like it's the old analogy of like, if the only thing you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So like if you sell whole life products, everybody that walks in looks like they need a whole life product. They might. uh, (laughs) I I think that's the worst. But unfortunately, for most people who don't have a lot of net worth, that tends to be the only option traditionally that they've had. Because the second model then is assets under management. So you're charging some fee for your investments. I think it's less conflicted because they're not selling you something, but it's certainly still conflicted because they want you to have your assets under their management. So maybe you had a good retirement plan and they want you to roll it in. Maybe you're thinking about starting a business or buying a house, but they have more money if the money stays with them. So like if you're looking at, like, should I pay cash or take a mortgage? There's only one way that benefits that advisor. So there's still a lot of conflicts. Uh, and also, you know, 1% is kind of the standard fee. Um, some people are less, some people are actually more. And that sounds like a really small number. And I think that's why it's presented as 1%. But Typically, they're not going to work with you unless you have at least a half a million dollars under that arrangement. So 1% of a half a million is $5,000. Uh, if you have a million dollars, you know that's 10000 and up from there. So that number looks a lot bigger than 1%. So I think that's why you see it in percentages. And then what I advocate for and what I do is just called flat fee planning or advice only. And so where that differs is you're going to pay your advisor. Um, you have to take out your checkbook or your credit card and you know what you're paying. And maybe you're doing like a one-time engagement to have somebody look over your plan and give you feedback, or you have a change in life circumstance, or a lot of people, and this is what my firm does, is like a a subscription model where you pay a relatively low fee, even if you don't engage with the advisor at all that month. But over the course of the year, uh, you know what you're paying, and it just kind of makes it easier for some people to work on cash flow. You want to have somebody, right, right, so you know exactly what you're paying. And again, that doesn't guarantee good advice, but it does kind of eliminate a lot of the conflict. So it gives you, I think, a better fighting chance. Yeah, I think you, that you know when that fee-only advisor says, buy this product, and by the way, you're not going to be buying it through me. You're going to go get it yourself. Well, then, we, you know, what's in it for them? Besides, maybe they've had lunch with the dude that, <laughs> I don't know, that offers offers the thing. I do have a question about that because I'm 100% on board, Chris, as you know. You and I have talked about this so damn much, which is why I wanted to get you on the microphone with this again because we always have such fun conversations about it. But you've seen the studies and I've seen the studies which show that while commission advice is easily the worst of the three, and while, to your point, with a fee-only advisor, it doesn't guarantee great advice, commission advice might be tangentially toward the goal, but has so many reasons why it can also keep you from the things that would get you there much faster. Commission advisors get the highest implementation rate, meaning if you're truly going to get something done, 
Commission advisors get stuff done, even if it isn't going the direction you want to go. Fee-only advisors, time and time again, are at the bottom where the advisor gives you this wonderful advice and you do nothing with it. How are you guys working to solve that problem? Because once we get by that issue and people actually do something with the advice, then it gets even better. Yeah, I think that is the advantage. One of the advantages of if you're going to do like a subscription model versus the one-time plan, I think a lot of people want the one-time plan and they kind of balk a little bit. That's the one pushback we get whenever like if I'm doing a prospect meeting is people don't like that. And they're like, you know, why am I paying if I'm not seeing you for a month? And uh, it's that ongoing fee. But I do think that's the advantage is you have somebody kind of holding you accountable and you're going to come back. We're checking in with you every, like our standard is kind of every six weeks, you're going to get some type of an email or something from us, just kind of check in how you're doing. So just knowing you have somebody kind of looking over your shoulder, I think that helps. Then the other advantage I also think that comes with this kind of ongoing model is that your circumstances change. So like a plan versus planning are two really different things. So I just met with somebody very recently who was like kind of entering semi-retirement. He said he was planning on doing some consulting and he already had booked $40,000 for this year. I said, okay, well, that's good. And then he said, but I think I may make up to $300,000. I was like, well, that's quite a range. So if we do a one-time plan, that's quite a range. So that's very different outcome. So, and you see that kind of stuff all the time. Somebody comes and they engage for a plan and they lose a job or they have this illness or, you know, so things are always changing. So that's kind of the downside also, in addition to the implementation of the one-time plan. And again, nothing's perfect. Like our model certainly isn't perfect. People still have to implement, but I think it's better. And that's why we chose that model. No, I agree. I think that, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect plan, but knowing where the Achilles heel is and where you can trip yourself up is a huge part of, of, of knowing anything you're getting into because everything has a downside. The funny kind of analogy is, you know, I go to this class at 5 a.m. every uh, Monday, Wednesday to go work out with weights with this group of people. And, dude, it sucks. <laughs> it is horrible. The 5 a.m. is like the devil's hour. It's this horrible time. I do not want to be awake. But you know what? I go because it's this ongoing coaching relationship with Valerie and these other people versus if Valerie just told me, I'll have success if I wake up at 5 a.m. and here's all the exercise I'm going to do and I'm going to do it myself. Guess what's going to happen, Chris? I'm not going to do crap. <laughs> like, so so for me, having this ongoing subscription where I force myself to show up to the thing ensures that, that I'm going to be successful. You're a guy that was highly skeptical of the industry. You're now in the industry. What has surprised you, maybe good and bad, about the world of being a financial advisor? I think the bad, like... I've been started from somebody that knew nothing about this other than my one personal experience. And I was a very harsh critic and, you know, it's been 10 years and you hear about this advice only growing. And I thought maybe maybe the advice out there isn't so bad. And the people that come to us for a second opinion who have advisors, I mean, it's still really bad. Like we see some like people in just really bad products, even people who, again, like the advice only people, there's just such a ridiculous amount of complexity that is totally unnecessary. And there's so much that's already complex in our system. Like the tax code is ridiculously complex. Like the idea that you can do a Roth, but only if you have up to the X dollar of income. But then if you go over that, you can still do a Roth, but you have to do the backdoor Roth. I'm like, there's so much stupid complexity that is unavoidable. Why add complexity by having 15 different funds when you can do it with three? There's just so much stuff that you see that's just unnecessary complexity. And I think, again, that's one of the conflicts with some of these models is, and even with the advice only, there's definitely a conflict to make things more complex than it needs to be because that's your job security to get people to keep taking their credit card or writing checks. So um, like we really try to simplify, but yeah, it blows my mind some of the stuff that you see people coming from other advisors and it's just unnecessary. So I would say that's the biggest negative surprise. 
And I'm so amazed by that. The fact that, I mean, it seems like such a contradiction that I am, as you know, Chris, so pro-advisor. You need good people. If, if you are a rock star, you need great people around you. But that word great, there's so many <laughs> advisors. They're just so many bad ones. And yet you look at the number of people, Chris, that are retiring. Seriously, if any of our stackers want to go, but this is a great bit. We need more financial advisors. We need more good financial advisors. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yes. Yeah, good, good, sure. good, yeah. good point. What surprised you on the upside? Like, how have you have you been able to change lives more than you thought you'd be able to? It's pretty cool. There's just a lot of things. A lot of it's on the behavioral side, I think, is where you can really have an impact. If you are, you know, stepping back, stepping away from product, you're simplifying the investments, and you're looking at those other things that you can focus on. Just being able to get people who are really good savers, and they're like it's so hard for them to actually then spend. And you're kind of like giving them permission and you're you're encouraging them to be able to go live the life they want to live. I think that's super cool. And then the other thing with our model, we do try to be relatively low fee. So we have some people that come in and they're just, I mean, their finances, frankly, they're just, they're a mess. You could just kind of almost sense the embarrassment and the stress and the anxiety that money produces. And so to just be able to step back and say, okay, this is where you are coming from. This is where you were. These are some actions we can take. These are some couple small one-time actions that can have huge impact. Are, are you willing to do that or not? And then if so, we can make really dramatic changes. And then even if not, okay, like there's little things we could do to start taking baby steps to start working towards bigger change and just seeing the impact and just seeing that kind of like stress melt away and seeing this not become such a stressful thing where like they, it's not like going to see the dentist when they have a meeting with me, but now it's like actually something they look forward to is really super rewarding and cool. So yeah, that's been the, uh, the biggest pleasant surprise. That is super. And it is when you, when you find that somebody's retired earlier because of you, or they got the vacation home, they were able to take more vacations. I had a client that was just able to decide she could take a little bit more time off work so she could go to the gym more often, which she wanted to do like that little thing. And the joy that she had because we thought differently about things was so super cool. All right. Here is the question of the day. We got two days till Valentine's Day. And now you're on the other side. And it's time for you to say goodbye to that advisor. Do you ghost them? Do you call them? What would you want to see from a client if they said goodbye to you? My personal, as on the advisor side, I would... I would love to have an explanation of, you know, why they are leaving. You know, are they not getting value? Did we do such a good job educating them? They feel completely able to do it on their own, or are they feeling like we're just not meeting their needs? So from the advisor, I would like to have that feedback to help me to serve future clients better. So I'm not making the same mistake over and over. Uh, oh, so I like would love an, to hear that. Like an exit interview kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I would personally love that. That being said, a lot of people kind of, again, just going back to where we started this interview with me starting with an advisor because it was a friend of my parents. When they eventually left him, then it was even more hard for them. I think a lot of, again, the older advisors, like the traditional, like particularly the people in sales, they're basically trained to start like, you know, give us a list of your friends and family, uh, and then you go and start prospecting them. And, and so there's a lot of awkwardness and stress and how is this going to go forward? And so, I mean, I see a number of clients who are now paying us out of pocket. They know what they're paying us. And then they're still paying an old advisor. Like the largest one had like, I think three and a half million paying 1% AUM. So he was paying his old advisor $35,000 a year while he's still paying us. And oh, because it was just so hard because it was money that was kind of, I think it was inherited. And it was like an old advisor that kind of seen their family through, you know, this death in their family and they, they felt this obligation. Um, and so that's really common you have to kind of do what you think is right. Like, I think that it's good to tell the advisor if you're comfortable, but if not, I mean, you don't ever have to talk to the advisor. You can move your money to a new firm, just tell them you want to transfer it. 
you can do that. And that's certainly your prerogative. So you have to kind of decide how you want to handle it. But it does make it very awkward because there's that's the probably the bulk of the people that I see coming from old advisors that want a second opinion. It's, you know, the old college roommate or it's somebody that was worked with their parents and they inherited this money or whatever the situation. And it's just very hard because of the personal relationship aspect. It feels like an offshoot of this conversation, Chris, is frankly, don't hire friends and family. Yeah, I mean, that's hard. Like I, I've written a blog post and I called it the worst financial advice I ever hear everywhere. All the time when you see like, how do I find a financial advisor? People say, ask for a referral from somebody you trust, which is, again, exactly what I do with my parents. And the problem with that advice is most people don't know what the heck they're doing. So they don't know if they're getting bad advice. And now you're going in with your guard down because you totally trust this person because they're working with your parent or your best friend or your cousin or your neighbor or whoever. Uh, So you're going in with your guard down, totally trusting everything this advisor says. And then 10 years later, you wake up and you realize how much opportunity costs and how many fees you've paid and you know, the difficulty now because you have surrender charges and tax complications to get out of your old investments. So uh, yeah, I mean, in an ideal world, that's great advice, but we don't live in an ideal world. And we live in a world where, frankly, most people are pretty financially illiterate. And so, you know, they don't know what quality of advice they're getting. So it's, uh, I would be very cautious doing that. I like the advice you gave at the beginning, just breaking down how they're paid. And that'll give you some ideas as to whether they're a salesperson or not. I think there's a little bit of of something you should probably ask also based on this, which is, and I hadn't thought about it this way until just now, Chris, was a little bit of a prenup before you get into any investments, meaning know what the contract is about getting out of the investment. Because often, especially those commission salespeople, that investment's going to be tied to that advisor. And if there's an 8% fee to get out of it later, you're kind of married to that person, whether you want to be or not. Yeah. And that was the thing that we realized when our investments. So we started reading some things when I was starting to get serious. And as I was going through my old statement, one of the accounts said VA after it. And I didn't even know what VA meant. I worked, I was a physical therapist. I worked in the VA hospital at one point and I was like, that's the only VA I knew. And so as I started diving through though, it was a, it was a variable annuity. We're helping veterans. Oh no, we're not. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, why do I have this? Um, My wife, she changed jobs. So it was a rollover from her 403B. So it was in a tax advantage account where it really had no tax advantage, which is kind of the one reason maybe you'd want to consider that product very rarely still, uh, but didn't have that for us. And we didn't even know what we had. So we realized it was like 2% plus in fees every year. So we're like, we want to get out of this. But then we realized we had like an 8% or maybe more than that because we had just gotten it like a year earlier. Didn't realize what we had, had like an 8% surrender charge to get out. And yeah, it was just a total mess. And that's kind of what sent me down this path of kind of becoming a consumer advocate and writing and then eventually becoming a planner. If somebody's divorcing an assets under management advisor, my understanding is most of these are held at places like Charles Schwab or Fidelity. Is it possible during this divorce for me to leave the money at Fidelity, but call Fidelity, not my advisors, call Fidelity and say, I don't want this person as my advisor anymore. I'd like it to be just me. And then the 1% goes bye-bye and I can keep the funds. What I always advise people is just to check your contract of you know when you sign that AUM agreement it varies from advisor to advisor. So I think the best thing to do is just to check your contract and see what exactly you have to do as far as notification and how you break that arrangement. Because that seems like a great way to break it too. You know, if I can do that. Yeah. I mean, if you're moving it to a different firm, like say you're with a certain brokerage and you want to move it to Vanguard or Fidelity, you can have Vanguard or Fidelity, just contact them, tell them you want to move the funds and they can do it there. But if you want to just stay at the same firm, yeah, I would just check with your contract of what exactly you have to do to to break that. That answers a lot of people's questions. Frankly, you don't have to tell anybody anything, Chris. I mean, you could just go to Vanguard, say, hey, I want to do an IRA rollover of my IRA or a brokerage transfer and fill out paperwork with them and tell your advisor nothing. 
Yep. And that's generally, again, if people are just struggling to have that conversation, that's what I advise they do. Again, from the advisor side of the table, I would personally like to have that explanation, but you don't owe them anything uh, other than whatever it says in your contract to notify them so they know. Yeah. I think you owe it to yourself to get where you feel more comfortable. The other place I think that I would caution people myself is only because I had this happen when somebody was divorcing me near the end, they took their money out of the IRA. You don't have to take your money out of the tax shelter to divorce your advisor. You don't, you don't have to remove money, maybe not even leave the fund that you're in. You might be able to keep the fund. This gentleman, it was during the 2007, 2008 meltdown, Chris, and I was just about to, to stop being a financial advisor. In fact, what happened was the, the client actually heard that I was leaving. I had a meeting scheduled with him for two weeks. He freaked out the fact that I was leaving, didn't want to be assigned to somebody else or have his account go to somebody else. So he pulled his money out of his IRA and I called him and I said, please don't do that. Like you just paid, I think it was $250,000. You're going to pay tax this year on $250,000 because you want to leave me. And he's like, well, you don't care. You're going away. I'm like, why am I on your phone calling you? Get rid of me. That's fine. I'm going away anyway. Get rid of our firm. Get rid of all that. But please do not pay tax on $250,000 of assets. Yeah. And that, that's a key, key detail is like, we definitely tell people that like, so if you're going to, if you're in a tax advantage account, you're going to roll it over to a like kind of account. So there's no tax consequences. If you have taxable investments and you want to sell those all off, there's going to most likely be some kind of tax consequence if they went up in value. So again, just the new brokerage, you ask them to do an in-kind transfer. So that all moves over. And then once you have the old investments where you want them, then it's, you can, you know, methodically and intentionally sell them off. But yeah, you got to be careful with that. That's a very good detail. Well, the way Chris that, you know, I like people to have good people in their corner. And if you're upgrading your advice, you don't think you're getting good advice and you're going to go to someplace, somebody like uh, Chris Mamula or, or whoever, somebody that, really, I want to do business with, wait until you meet with Chris Mamula before you do, before you do. I would advise people that too, wouldn't you? Yeah. Or, you know, some people just decide they want to do it on their own. But once you see the impact of fees, I think people get really upset and they want to move very, like make a rash move. And what I always explain to people is a 1% fee compounded out over 20 or 30 years I mean, that might be half of what you would have had that goes away in that fee. It's, it's remarkable what the impact of compounding fees does. But 1% fee for two or three extra months is, in the grand scheme of things, you know, maybe a couple hundred to a couple thousand dollars. And you want to kind of be intentional, go slow, make sure you uh, know where you're going to and what you want to do. So, yeah, I mean, just you don't want to let your emotions get the best of you. And I think a lot of times that that happens when people get to that point where they're ready for a breakup. Just like with regular breakups. I think that's a great place to leave it. That's fantastic advice. Get the plan right first. And and I think of those, that extra fee, extra month or two, Chris, is just insurance, like an insurance policy to make sure that you're not going to mess everything up. Uh, what's up next for Chris Mamula? What are you doing? Are you writing another book? I am not writing another book. No, Come on. I, no, I, uh, I still write uh, at the blog. Can I retire yet? Typically, um, publishing like once a week there, keeping that going. Uh, I've been doing part-time financial planning with a firm called Abundo Wealth. Again, we're a low-cost, advice-only firm. And uh, still trying to be a ski bum for the for my primary uh, role. So <laughs> Fabulous. We're, we're lacking snow at the moment, but we're supposed to get another storm coming soon. So That's good. We'll pray for storm. And if people want to find you at Abundo Wealth, how do they find you? Yeah, it's just AbundoWealth.com, and uh, you can reach out to me there. Chris at Abundo Wealth, if you want to email me. Yep, and and you know we'll link to both of those on our show notes page at StackyBenjamins.com. And 
Chris, we were just talking about you literally last night again about can I retire yet? You and Darrow and your ultimate calculator guide. And I know that's that's a few years old now, but I constantly point people to that guide. That's got to be one of your big pages on the site. It's got to be. I can't be the only one who's pointing people there all the time. No, I mean, it, that used to be our, we were the number one ranked. Like if you search Google for retirement calculators and because we have let it, it's just, it's very exhausting to try to I keep bet. that up to date and to keep up with new calculators. And we've kind of just reached the point where like there's so many good tools figure out the one that works best for you. And there's enough information there and then really master that one tool. And that's kind of the route we've gone because it's just so exhausting. But yeah, there's, uh, it's very helpful to have a good tool. Well, thanks for helping us get out of bad relationships and hopefully forge better ones. Happy Valentine's Day, man. Back at you. Hey, Nick Loper here from the Side Hustle Show. When I'm not helping people earn money outside of their day job, I'm stacking Benjamins. Big thanks to Chris Mamula. And by the way, Doug, before we get to that, back to your trivia, I like how F-A-S-T is the one acronym that you nailed. So congratulations on that one. <laughs> well, you know, the tougher one, I usually can handle the tougher ones better. Actually. For everybody, that's short for fast. I have to go back to my time when I was a financial advisor. My worst clients, my worst clients were always family members. And Chris warns about, you know, they're a family member. They're kind of... I don't know, man. Working with family, if you're thinking about hiring your, a family member as your financial advisor, I think I might think twice about that. I don't know. I think I have the opposite opinion of that, honestly, especially if they're somebody that's tolerably successful at their job. Who's going to care more about you than your niece or uncle or whatever? I mean, I know his example that he was talking about there, but I have the exact other example, which was I was talking to a family member of mine one time and he was asking me my opinion about something, I don't know, investment of some kind. And I said, why, why are you doing business with that guy and not with your nephew? And he's like, well, because I remember changing your diapers and that's all I can yeah. picture. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, but he's bending over the barrel. <laughs> it's just, like all the stuff that you're sending me. Yeah, but there's still a third you. option. I mean, there's still well, a, third I mean, a third option. Third you could party, be the family sure. member. And if he doesn't want to work with you, but he wants to work with you, you can help him find somebody who's not you. That's true. It's a good option. Absolutely. Just here's what I ran into. I ran into an uncle who did some really stupid stuff. I remember how frustrating it was just trying to talk sense with somebody in that same situation where I think he knew me when I was young and he saw me as a kid, right. even though I was in my 40s at the time. And he was going to do whatever he was going to do, no matter what his quote advisor said. And he ended up losing a ton of money because of that move. And I had another person that because they were a family member, I let them talk me into doing things differently than I normally do, them hiring me in a different way than I normally did, which meant that all of my systems, which were designed for success for all of my clients, they weren't right. a part of that. They were doing something totally different. They ended up getting crappy service from me. And then when I called them out on it, they were, they were like, no, you suck. <laughs> and then, you know, then Thanksgiving dinner becomes difficult. Right. I don't know. I'd rather have a good Thanksgiving. It's definitely a tough situation, right? Trying to balance that stuff out. But if you're coming from a position of trying to do the best stuff possible, I mean, I would be upset if I had a medical problem and I had a family member who was a doctor who solved that medical problem. They're like, yeah, but your family, I don't, I don't really want to. I really want to help you with that. <laughs> I'd be like, well, tell me what to do. But that actually is interesting because often medical professionals will, and I know this because I have one in the family, will go, you know what? I need to send you to somebody who's not family because I will be too emotional. Yeah. 
if things get bad, I will be too emotional and you need somebody who's just objective third party, not going to be that. I thought that was like a rule for doctors. Is that, is that just a guideline best practice? I really thought they were not allowed to do that. Technically. I'm just saying more on the information side to just arbitrarily go, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do anything with family. Like I think is a mistake because, well, you know, yeah. you, you got to help the people around you. Right. Thank Cause where do you stop that at? You say, well, I don't want to help my close friends. I don't want to. Meanwhile, to your point, Joe, people are doing something silly and you're pulling your hair out going, I can help them, you know? Right. And then what's, what's worse. The other side of that, when they go, man, I sure wish you would have told me not to do that. And you're like, well, I don't want to damage our friendship. It's like, well, now I'm, pissed off because you didn't tell me that I was about to walk into a landmine. You know, what kind of friend are you? You let me walk into traffic, dude. Let's go to the other part of this, OG, which is client says goodbye. Chris said he'd love the exit interview, but he knows for some people that's really hard. Ghost them. Rarely happens. Just ghost them or exit interview. Well, I mean, the reality is, is that uh, what I found over the years is that when, when people have made their mind, clients have made their mind up to, to move on, um, there's nothing really of value that's going to come from that conversation. Because even if you're not trying to hold on to them, so to speak, whatever, you know, like retain them as, you know, if you're not trying to resell them basically, right. If you're just like, I get it, not a good fit, not the right time. It's okay. They don't want to talk about it. And they think that you don't want to talk about it. But there's no benefit to you to tweak your process at all? Or I would love to. I would love to, but it doesn't, it, do, it just never happens. It never, ever, ever happens. Unless something really majorly got screwed up and that's like the impetus, right? Like you screwed this up, cost me this amount of money, therefore you're fired. Like that, obviously, but that doesn't really happen in real life. It's more like, <laughs> honestly, sometimes it's like the siren song of like another, I mean, we've had clients that have left and done the exact opposite of everything that we talk about. You know, you go, hey, did I see that you moved all your money into an index annuity? Yeah, it's, it only goes up and never goes down. You're like, have you not? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that person was a better salesperson and bought him chicken dinner. Do you know what's funny? To your point, <laughs> bought him a chicken dinner. I mean, that's what happens. It's like, <laughs> you know, Bill was a nice guy. He bought us a meal at the Holiday Inn. Right. You should definitely move all your money into a 12% commission product. The time before somebody uh, worked with me that they told me that I lost, I lost out on the, who they were going to hire war because the other person worked for free. They would do a financial plan for free. That one got me. Yeah. I love those. And also to your point, as I look back on the 16 years that I spent there, I can think of one time where when somebody left, I made a pretty big overhaul of my system because clearly there was something that was fixable one time in 16 years. I mean, it would be helpful. Obviously, you know, thankfully, I should say, we don't have a lot of clients that leave and on occasion they do, but it would be helpful absolutely to get constructive feedback on here's where it broke. But a lot of times I think it's more personality-based than that. I, I honestly believe that the time that you spend with any professional, whether it's an advisor I just had my annual physical and I actually enjoy being with this guy. Like he's super attentive. He pays a lot of attention to what's going on and is very accessible and his team is great. That to me means a lot more than whether or not he's the least expensive physician in town. You know what I mean? Accessibility and service and enjoying being around that person, I think count for a lot when it comes to when it comes to the people that you you know, entrust with different things in your life, whether it's your health or finances or, I mean, hell, a car mechanic. We bought a new car for my son and 
we have a car mechanic that's in the neighborhood who I think is a really good dude. So whether or not he charges a little bit more or less than Valvoline down the street, I don't even know because I want to do business with people that I like and that I like being around and that I think actually give a crap and will be willing to overlook a small change in cost or something like that because, you know, I think they have my best interest at heart. I think that's where the key is, yeah. is best interest at heart. And I feel like sometimes we fall for a sales pitch versus looking at what's right in front of us. Or at the same time, we let the sales pitches keep us in what we know is a toxic relationship <laughs> versus getting out. Hey, it's time for the part of the show that we call Better Call Saul, CI and OG. Uh, this is where a stacker calls our voicemail. If you want to call stackybenjamins.com slash voicemail, and we answer your question. And uh, super excited that today we have uh, stacker Cosette, who uh, thought, you know what? I better call Saul, CI and OG. Hello, neighbor dog. I have a couple questions about contribution limits for Roth IRAs, 401ks, Roth 401ks, and whatever a pre-taxed IRA, IRA 401k is, how are they not the same as a Roth? Who knows? I max out my Roth IRA every year and contribute 6% to my 401k for my employer match. I'm not sure if I can contribute any more to a Roth product, but my employer also offers a Roth 401k. I'm a server, so I don't get paychecks. Everything usually goes to taxes. But since I contribute the 6% to my 401k, my whole paycheck actually goes to that, and I have a hefty tax bill at the end of the year. I'm wondering if it would be a better idea to have my contributions go to the Roth 401k, or maybe 3% to each type. I appreciate your help, Doug. And if you see Joe, say hello for me. And this Army vet would love to know what OG's favorite cran flavor is. See ya. Wow. Uh, yeah, Cosette. Wow. Great question. Thanks for the call. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I'll tell you, the, the first thing you need to do is get a quart of five-weight synthetic motor oil, uh, and then you're going to want to grab a pound of uh, cauliflower rice. And it get, actually gets complicated after that. And I think OG actually probably has a, has a better way of explaining it. But I really appreciate the call, Cosette. And uh, you know, we'll talk offline. I have nothing to add. That was perfect. <laughs> Done. See, that's guys, that's efficiency. That's how you answer the better call Saul. And if CI you'd like to, to call in, <laughs> it is funny that we now named the, the segment better call Saul C high, AKA me and OG. And she addresses everything to Doug. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Nice work. <laughs> Beginning to regret thinking this uh, up because I seem to be the one that does all the answering, but uh, somehow I'm also the one that gets uh, shit on the most. It's like the afterthought in the whole There's thing. one easy way to solve that. Just come to the writing meeting. That's all you got to do. Not invited. Never invited to anything. Barely invited to these things. What are you talking about? <laughs> we keep moving the meeting and he keeps finding them. <laughs> he keeps exactly. finding the recording schedule. All right. Uh, let's help Cosette. Uh, should she go Roth 401k? Yeah. yeah. So here's the thing. Your employer-sponsored plan, whether it's a 401k, 403b, simple all of these have different contribution limits that are separate and distinct from your individual contribution limits. In Cosette's case here, you've got a workplace 401k, which has a pre-tax option and a Roth option. So the pre-tax option, the money goes in before taxes, so you don't pay any taxes on it. It grows tax-deferred. And then when you retire and you take the money out later, you'll pay income taxes on the distribution. You know, So you take out 50 grand that year, 
It's just like you earned 50 grand this year. Okay. You also get a match, as she pointed out. The Roth 401k, you deposit that money. That money goes into that account after tax. So it's after you've already had taxes withdrawn. You put in money in your Roth. It grows tax deferred. But this time when you take the money out, it's tax free. It's important to note that the employer contribution is always going to be pre-tax. And I say always with an asterisk because the Secure 2.0 allows for companies to do Roth 401k matches, but no company has figured out how to do that yet because it changes the tax structure of that benefit quite a bit. If it's already after tax, then it's really a profit distribution. So there's some stuff that has to get worked out in the IRS. So I'm unaware of any company that does Roth matching. But allegedly, it's allowed at some point in time in the future. So if you put money in pre-tax, you're going to lower your current tax bracket or current tax rates. If you put money in Roth, you're going to lower future tax liability. That's separate and distinct from your traditional IRA or Roth IRA. So you're contributing to the Roth, which is after tax. That money grows tax deferred and is taken out tax-free. Because you have a workplace plan, and there's some other limiting factors, but because you have a workplace plan, you would not get a tax break for doing a pre-tax IRA, a regular traditional IRA contribution. You could still do it, but there's no tax benefit to you to doing it. So Roth on that side is great. You can also contribute to the maximum, which this year's 23000 to your 401k plan. So in theory, you could put 23000 in your workplace plan and 7000 in your Roth for a total of $30,000 of retirement contributions this year. And that does not include your employer contribution, which could be another, you know, however much contribution above that. The question is whether or not you have the cash flow to do it. That's really the biggest issue when it comes to when it comes to that. Ultimately, whether or not it's pre-tax or Roth on your contributions from work really will be dictated by your tax liability and your projected future tax liability, which nobody can know. So that's a little bit of a crapshoot. But you can do both and you can max both out. Uh, you can make a combination of pre-tax and after-tax Roth contributions. You can do all sorts of things as long as it stays under that twenty-three thousand. Cosette, normally here I would uh, step in and define reality, but uh, I think OG uh, nailed it. So, unfortunately, that's it. I, and I also have to say, I think uh, Doug, you were just uh, just a bit outside. You think so? Really? Just slightly. I mean, slightly outside. Look, there's always two approaches. There's two. <laughs> Motor oil or use the Roth. Sure. Okay. I mean, one's easier, but sure. The one thing I will add is this, is that often people are trying to maximize, optimize their tax situation for today, not knowing what the future is going to look like. So it's very hard to do. We do have an illustration that will help you with uh, taxes. It's called our tax triangle, and it shows the three different ways your retirement assets can be taxed. You'll find that at stackingbenjamins.com slash tax triangle. But more than that, if you're not here to uh, learn about the tax triangle or here for just Roth versus pre-tax 401k or retirement contributions, you're here because you just feel like you need better people in your corner. OG and his team are taking clients. So head to stackingbenjamins.com slash OG. And that's the way that you get a first meeting with them to see how their team can interface with you to make better decisions in 2024 and beyond. I did forget one question that Cosette asked, which was uh, crayon flavor, which obviously everybody oh, yeah. knows is grape. So 
So this is a toss up between that and blue raspberry. Not burnt sienna. Is this grape is my favorite? There's a joke I missed, or it's something specific to the culture of the armed forces. Why she said because you're a vet. What's your favorite? Can you educate the rest of us on this? Am I the only one who doesn't know this? Unsure of who knows it and doesn't know it. And no, I will not educate you on it. That is not my okay, problem. Okay, that's an inside joke for the millions of people who have been in the armed forces. Well, millions, yes. Yeah. Okay. So I'm the one guy who doesn't know. Super. I don't know. Joe, do you know? I I don't have any idea. No. See, Joe doesn't get it either. And he went to Citadel. Yes. <laughs> that was in the that was in the second year they were gonna share that with you, Joe. Yeah. The second year is the crayon <laughs> flavor colors. I was in the second year. I didn't make it to the third year. But, ah. Yes. Upperclassmen get crayons. Yeah. Stackingbenjamins.com slash voicemail. And uh you two can share inside jokes with OG or ask him a question. And you know what? We send you some Stacky Benjamin swag for being brave and asking the question that a lot of people are wondering about, right? stackybenjamins.com slash voicemail. All right, time to wander out to the back porch where, Doug, we've got a lot. We do. A lot going on in Stackerland. We do. There's some There's some really good stuff going on out there. We've got some great discussions going on in the basement, as always. You know what was funny is a quick thing we did in a roundtable trivia has sort of took off for a little while there in the basement. People started sharing their stories about Sears kit houses. Oh, my goodness. You I see know. some of these pictures? Yeah. Well, Susan, I thought it was pretty cool. Susan shared her grandparents' Sears kit house in Iowa. And I don't know why, but that just gives you all the feels. You're thinking like Field of Dreams and just the heartland. And that was cool. And then Rachel shared uh, a link to one of only seven Sears top of the line kit houses that are left in the country. That house is spectacular. It's amazing. I love all the comments from people going when we were talking about it on the podcast, they had no idea how beautiful these houses are. Right. You just, we never know what kind of things we talk about are going to take off. And that's one of the great things about the basement. But the other thing that seems to have taken off recently in the basement is when you teased everybody about the Minneapolis meetup that's going to come up soon. Oh, and St. Paul people are going to be mad you called it Minneapolis. That I didn't say both? Or <laughs> yes. should I just call it St. Paul? We should just call it Twin Cities, probably. Okay, fine. I got educated. You know, it's funny. <laughs> We've had the idea, Doug, to have a local meetups for a long time. But this being a very small community, I know that in a lot of, of areas, our friend Brad Barrett and uh, Jonathan Mendonca did a great job setting up Choose FI local groups. And Choose FI local groups helped me on my uh, tour all the way around the United States. But in some cities, I've always had a few tweaks, like things that I thought that we could do that would be really, really fun and be a little bit different group. So... We have gotten just great response whenever I've gone to a few cities in Minneapolis, St. Paul, the Twin Cities is a great area. So they are having a kickoff of our first and only Stacking Benjamins local group. Uh, it'll be February 21st at 630 at Union 32 Craft House. That's in Grand Oak Business Park in Egan. So uh, should be a great time. We are going to be giving away lots of swag, lots of stuff. I sent some books to them. We're just going to gonna have a heck of a party. The way to find the invitation is two ways. Number one is it's in our basement Facebook group. Number two is if you live within 100 miles of Minneapolis, St. Paul, we sent out an email. If you get the 201, we sent out an email directly to you to got it. Uh, third way is just go to Eventbrite and look up Stacking Benjamin's Twin Cities and uh, sign up. 
Yeah, the reason you get such a great turnout there, Joe, in the past, and you're going to get a great turnout for this one, is because they're just happy to be out of the cold. They're just, they'll do anything. Like, oh, an indoor activity? Yeah, we're there. Indoor activity, number one. Beer, number two? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Don't you know? Oh, that'll be super. Yeah. Super happy that we get to do this. They're going to talk there about how this will be a little bit different group and should be super, super fun meetings once a month starting in February. That's going to be a blast, Joe. In the meantime, it's about 10 days from now. In the meantime, we've all watched some pretty great stuff on various streaming services. You've probably been to the movie theater like every other day. What's something great you've seen recently? Now now that uh, we're at Oscar land, anybody who's been a stacker for a while knows, Cheryl and I try to go and see all the nominees for the movie of the year. And so at our local theater is uh, this movie starring a woman that you may have heard of uh, named Emma Stone. This is Bella. Bella, this is Mr. McCandles. Hello, Bella. No, she's an experiment. Good evening. Her brain and her body are not quite synchronized. But she's progressing at an accelerated pace. Tell me, where did she come from? I shall. For it is a happy tale. I am Bella Baxter, and there is a world to enjoy, circumnavigate. It is the goal of all to progress, grow. A woman plotting her course to freedom. How delightful. Emma Stone plays this uh, character that... um, the setup of this movie, and it's probably better if you're thinking about seeing it, the less you know might be better. But the setup is, what if the monster, what if Frankenstein's monster had become a surgeon like his, quote, dad, and had also run experiments, and he became one of the most, so Frankenstein's monster is now one of the most respected surgeons, and he does an experiment that experiment is Emma Stone's character in the movie. And then you run this experimental quote person. And I won't even define what that means. Yeah, Doug. Well, I just, I wonder if he's like this incredible surgeon, why did he make her eyebrows so big? Like each one of those <laughs> in the movie is a full head of hair. I got to <laughs> I got to tell you the, That's all I can see. Oh, the incredible thing about this whole movie, Mark Ruffalo's in it. Willem Dafoe is, it's in the steampunk world and how beautiful the sets are and it begins in black and white and then it goes into color partway through like the wizard of Oz did. And, uh, there's so much stuff going on. A lot of times I hate those movies. You know, a lot of people like these Wes Anderson movies. I was just going to say it looks Wes Anderson-y. It totally does. And I can't stand Wes Anderson movies as a general rule. Do Mm. not like just too stylized. You can feel the director everywhere. This movie, they kind of let, the director lets go and lets Emma Stone and Mark Ruffalo and Willem Dafoe act. And they do a great job of acting, but here's where I'm going to come down on this. This movie's two hours and 40 minutes long. And if there is a film, Oh, geez. Like, huh? Whoa. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. If there is a film that's going to divide people, Cheryl and I rarely disagree on movies. If there's a film that's going to divide people that normally grab movies, it is this one. 
I thought this was a fantastic movie. I thought it was a hard movie. Anybody that saw the movie Moonlight, which won the Academy Award famously over La La Land, where they got it wrong on stage and then got it right. Moonlight yeah. was the wrong choice for movie of the year that year because Moonlight, it's a wonderful movie. It is so hard. It's hard to watch. It's it's a two-hour beatdown. What was the one last year? The Whale, the Brendan Fraser movie? Yeah. That's a two-hour beatdown. It's so difficult. I actually like that movie, though, better than this one. But I still liked it. But Cheryl hated it. There were several times we were in a nearly empty movie theater because we go on Tuesdays. It's discount day. Three times she turned to me Senior during the discount day. During <laughs> three times she turned to me and goes, I can't believe this is still going. <laughs> oh my God, it's still going. Something she's never said to you anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> and we walked. Sorry, you teed it up, man. <laughs> We walked out of the theater and she's like, I can't get my afternoon back. Yikes. Hated it. Didn't dislike it. Hated it. Like a hundred percent hated it. I thought it was really good. It was a great character. Now what was funny was for the next like three hours. And then again, this morning we kept talking about it. Like there's so many, there's so much going on. There's so many great themes going on, but God, it's hard to watch poor things. I'm going to give a thumb sideways. You guys would both hate it. I can tell you, I've known both of you long enough. You'll really? hate this movie. Oh, I think you'll hate, you'll hate everything about this movie, Doug. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Next up for us is one you saw, which is Maestro is next. Yeah. I mean, I do like sort of theatrical drama, kind of thinky movies occasionally if they're done well. So I don't know why. I mean, I'm not going to rush out and see Emma Stone's eyebrows anytime soon, especially not after that review. But I just don't know what about that you think I wouldn't like. I would love for you to watch the first half hour. And then report back. Okay. All right. Okay. Challenge accepted. Yeah. Poor things. Yeah. All right. Something that wasn't, eh, was this episode. This was amazing. We, we got so much done today. If we do say or so ourselves. If we, this was incredible. <laughs> We're really good at this. <laughs> Doug, what are the three things on our to-do list? Well, Joe, I'll tell you what's stacked up on our to-do list today. First, take some advice from Chris Mamula. Breaking up with your advisor? While good advisors would love an exit interview, remember that you owe them nothing, and it's your time and your money that are going to hurt if you stay too long. Second, credit card debt? Maybe time for a lockdown budget. By giving every dollar a job ahead of time, you can grab hold of your money and also your future. But what's the biggest to do? To really succeed in life, you need to adopt a FUBAR mentality. First, understand your best achievable reality. FUBAR! I'm going to start using this mantra more often. Hey, Joe, this podcast is FUBAR! Well, it is now. Thanks to Chris Mamula for joining us today. You can find Chris at AbundoWealth.com and his blog at Can I Retire Yet? We'll also include links in our show notes at StackingBenjamins.com. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2024, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. This show is written by Lisa Curry, who's also the host of the Long Story Long podcast, with help from me, Joe, Kate Youngkin, Karen Repine, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. 
Just visit stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Wonder how beautiful we all are? Of course you do, but you'll never know if you don't check out our YouTube version of the show, engineered by Tina Eichenberg. Then you'll see once and for all that I'm the best thing going for this podcast. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude, Stacy Doe, and Julia Garib are our social media coordinators, and Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. For more interactive fun, join us on Instagram every Tuesday and Thursday for our Instagram Lives. Kate Yonkin and Joe host those weekly. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.